Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, has their fast, free shipping, free road has protection, convenient installation options, and their selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Bridgestone Weather Peak. But did you know they sell other automotive products as well? Wheels, brakes, and suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, just go to TireRack.com slash sports, TireRack.com. It's the way the tire buying should be. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts connect the alarm change the podcast you stream connect the snooze 10 more minutes to dream connect the shower lather up with the news sports talk comedians or movie reviews connect with that 3 hour philosophy show change the drive into work in traffic so slow Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Thanks for listening to the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Congratulations, America. You've made it. Football season is, in fact, here. We'll have our first picks of the season upcoming. Uh, But uh, let's start with the news of the day. No, it's not my alma mater winning by 41, but failing to cover. No, no, no. It's not Northwestern beating Purdue. 
in West Lafayette, a little Big Ten football into the night. No, no, no. It's not even college football, which, of course, continues on Fox Sports 1 tonight all through the weekend. Huge slate of games on uh, on Fox and on other networks, and uh, we'll preview those games, give you our picks. No, it's not even Clay Buckholz is going to join us from the Diamondbacks. Michael Lombardi, former GM uh, in the NFL, is going to join us. No, 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 no. The news of the day is the Rams, and the Rams are, I, I think Seahawks 2.0 is probably the best way to describe it. And I know their team... Um, isn't necessarily constructed in a way in which the Seahawks were constructed, right? Russell Wilson was the third-round pick. Jared Goff was the number one overall pick. That's different. Uh, The Seahawks had a dynamic defense, and they slowly put together an offense and a style that fit their defense, and they they really were a dominant player for a half a decade. But it's the all-in mentality. It's the playing, paying guys at or above going rate. It's the risk of the one-year contracts. It's, you know what they're doing? They're at the table. They're looking at their cards. And it does feel like, um, what did he have in rounders? In rounders, he had two kings, right? And the only hand that was better was a pair of aces. And so the Rams are sitting there going like, hey, We got kings. Only aces will beat us. But you do run the risk of somebody else having aces. Whether it's the Vikings with, uh, I don't know who has more talent. I would say Goff has more talent than Cousins, but Cousins more experience. The Vikings have as good or better at skill positions, and they too are dynamic on the defensive side of the ball. An unbelievable roster. Whether it's the Green Bay Packers who have reworked their defense, have added Jimmy Graham from, ironically, the Seahawks, have shed some of their old weaponry on offense and gotten younger and sharper, and they have Aaron Rodgers, who's clearly better at quarterback than Jared Goff. I don't know whether it's the Philadelphia Eagles, who are defending champions, and that's still going to, that's going to, it's harder to be the Hunt did as opposed to the Hunter, but that's a talented roster. Heck, you could go around and say, is it the Saints who, Uh, should have beaten the Minnesota Vikings on the road. They have a dynamic offense and a vastly improved defense. The Atlanta Falcons, who did beat the Rams on the road in the playoffs last year. Like, look, here's the deal. I get what the Rams are doing. We got Aaron Donald. He's the best in the business at his position. We're going to pay him like that because otherwise we don't have him. And we're going all in. But man, if one thing goes wrong... The thing about the salary cap is it actually works. It does. It doesn't feel like it works at the time for you, but it actually works. Maybe the other interesting part is, with the exception of well, one defensive player the Eagles pay, for the most part, those teams deep into the playoffs in previous years, none of them have guys. I mean, how many times do we have to see the Patriots Go to a Super Bowl after a Super Bowl after an AFC championship game to which you're like, wait, Tom Brady takes less money, but it's not like anybody else has taken it up. It's spread out. They spread it all out. But the Rams are pushing all of their chips to the center, which seems exciting, which seems thrilling. 
but didn't they lose a home playoff game last year? And all the guys they added from Indomitian Sue, one-year deal, Marcus uh, Peters, uh, basically a one-year deal, Aqib Tlaib, one-year deal. You look around, you got these vivid personalities and all these other guys getting paid. They're all, they already had to ask Andrew Whitworth to rework his contract just to get the Donald money to make sense for this year. Don't get me started on years to come. He... Like, I think Jared Goff was vastly improved last year, but is he really, really good? Better hope so. Money tied up into Brandon Cooks. A lot of money into one running back who's really good, but we've seen multi. The way to win big is to have a bunch of different running, a stable of running backs because it saves you money and it allows you to withstand an injury or a suspension. So, look, on paper, this is go all in. How many times do you get a chance to win a Super Bowl? This is what Jeff Fisher said two years ago on Hard Knocks. I'm tired of being 8-8. Eight eight. So are the Rams. They got a taste of it. And now they want a whole bite. They know we, we had a bad backfield, a defensive backfield, you know, because of injury and because we just weren't that good. We fixed that. We need somebody opposite Aaron Donald. We got in Dominican Sue. We got a running game. We got we let Sammy Watkins go, and we think we're actually better at wide receiver. Finally got rid of Tavon Austin, who wasn't a wide receiver, and brought in Brandon Cooks, who is, albeit fairly limited, and he got a huge contract. So the Rams have, they're staring down Teddy KGB, aren't they? Isn't that what they're doing? And they're just hoping that somebody else doesn't turn over, doesn't turn over aces. That's what it is. This is how the Seahawks got to where they are. Look, look, it's it, it it's again, it's 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 different than the Seahawks because the Seahawks didn't originally, you know, they drafted guys and Russell Wilson was a third round pick. But remember, between player paying Richard Sherman, paying Russell Wilson, trading for Jimmy Graham. It, everything was going so good until everybody had their hands out and decided it was time for me to get mine. And so the Seahawks, that, that mini dynasty, that legion of boom, that ends up with one Super Bowl title, two Super Bowl appearances. Patriots have eight. 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 So, um... Look, I, I think I, I believe that the Rams have a great shot. I believe so. one of the reasons that part of it makes some sense is a lot like the Patriots, their division isn't particularly good. The Niners are on the way up, but not there yet. The Seahawks are on their way down. The Cardinals are in some sort of rebuild on the fly mode to which ultimately they want to hand it to Rosen, but he's not ready yet. They got 11 new starters. So, look, the Rams are going to win their division. I feel fairly confident the Rams are going to win their division. I've already told you they're going to lose um, to the Vikings. Right? That's going to happen because they play, excuse me, not the Vikings. They're going to lose. What's, who is the game they play um, Ramos after the Vikings? Um, the Vikings are a Thursday night game, right? And then they, no, that's the Vikings game. Excuse yeah, me, I the, thought you did the, say the Vikings. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're going to lose to the Vikings. 
The very few things I know, I know coming off a late game against the Chargers, taking on the Vikings, and the Chargers are going. Chargers have an equally prodigious defensive line. They got Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, and I think Joey Bosa is fine. They got a better quarterback, better wide receivers. Probably not the offensive line that the Rams have. Um, and they've done a better they've done a better job of managing contracts. They've been a better job in the draft. But regardless, even if they beat the Chargers, you got to turn around and get three days to prepare for the Vikings who have equal or more talent. The Vikings are coming off a home game against the Bills. That's a game I can tell you right now the Rams are going to lose. But while this puts pressure on the Raiders to ante up to Cleo Mack, and I don't know if they have that kind of money, while I know that they're better than the Cardinals, I believe they're the best team in their division. They're going to win that division. They are playing a first-place schedule, which – takes them to the Broncos, takes them to New Orleans, take on the Saints, takes them to the Bears, albeit the Bears aren't any good, but it is in December. But they also play the Lions on the road. Like, they have a tough... And at home, you got Eagles, won the Super Bowl, Packers, and by the way, Eagles are at the end of of the season. They get the Packers at home as well, and the Chiefs at home. The Rams have... Almost no off games in a division they should win with a top-heavy team with a bunch of one-year contracts from guys who have worn out their welcome elsewhere. And a quarterback that I think is good. Is he great? Yeah. This, this is not pocket aces going all in. Feels like a pair of kings. Normally, what happens is people get paid after titles. You know, the Seahawks won a title. Guys got paid. The Cavs won a title. Guys got paid. Rams haven't won a playoff game. Not a playoff game. In a crummy division with a last place schedule, they lost their first home playoff game to the Atlanta Falcons, a dome team. And everybody's getting paid. I, I just, I just, I, we, we may be rushing things just a bit. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Baker Mayfield not going to start for the Cleveland Browns yet, right? Saquon Barkley obviously is going to start for, um, for the for the Giants, I look at the Jets though, and the the raving the the raves that you've heard about Sam Darnold as quarterback of the New York Jets, and how he's going to start, and you you start to realize that this is there's short term and there's long term, short term and there's long term philosophies, and I, I I understand that the Browns think. You know, you got John Dorsey, you spent time in Green Bay, and I, I found me my Brett Favre. That's what he thinks. I found me my Brett Favre. But uh, Dorsey getting a guy with, they already had a Tarod Taylor who could give them the short term. You should automatically draft the guy that has the highest upside, the number one guy, the top evaluated guy at his position. And that is Darnold. They did good things, like... Donald, uh, man, well, I keep saying Manziel. I don't believe that that Baker Mayfield's going to be a bust. 
but does anybody believe he's going to be a star? And as for Saquon Barkley, look, he could be the third straight rookie running back to lead the NFL in rushing. Like That could happen. It still doesn't make it the smart and prudent pick for the Giants. Right? The Giants are just trying to get every ounce. The Giants knew as an organization that they had to move on or find an answer to the what do we do after Eli Manning retires. That was the whole logic behind benching him last year. It was, they weren't saying that Eli was awful and was washed, but they had to take a look at Davis Webb to find out, like, what do we do next? Because eventually this goes away. Eventually this goes away. And it, it does feel a little bit like the Giants are blockbuster. Right? And blockbuster could have bought Netflix way back in the day. They could have planned for the future. And they didn't. And now there's like two blockbuster stores left. That's what, that's what the Giants feel like. Because had the Giants simply, the blockbuster simply bought Netflix, they could have evolved into the future. But instead they're gone. Right? If you don't have that heir apparent, what do you have? They didn't even take a look last year at Davis Webb as an heir apparent because he wasn't ready and they've seen him some in the preseason. That, that's what's amazing about it. That, that let's look at historically great Miami Dolphins. I don't know what Ryan Tannehill will look like this year. I know he's had two statistically really good years and then he hurt his knee two years ago. And then last year he tried to try to play not with non-surgically repaired and then he needed, then he tore it and he needed the ACL reconstructed. But Tannehill's probably been the best since Dan Marino. I guess that's just crazy in terms of the amount of time in between the two. Think about how long it took the Denver Broncos to find Peyton Manning, and they kind of lucked into Peyton Manning, who had a couple years left. He did have the 50-touchdown year. But, you know, you're talking like a 10- to 15-year gap there of L.A. to finding Manning, and that's, that's that's a good story. It's hard to find a guy, but... I mean, the Packers were able to have an heir apparent. They had a guy sitting there. Giants could have done the same. They Both the Giants and the Browns did good things. The fear of complete failure made them so they took guys that Saquon Barkley is going to be a good back. I think Baker Mayfield, be, he'll be fine as a quarterback. But for the Giants, you had a chance as a star quarterback who can handle the bright lights and the big city and could handle sitting behind Eli Manning. Because he redshirted a year in college and he, he sat the first two and a half games in college and he's only twenty he was only twenty years old at the time he was drafted, he's twenty one years old, and he could sit and learn and soak up all that information. Like I they could screw it up. It could not work. I like the Jets plan better. I do. And I understand it's like, look, you got Odell Beckham Jr., you might as well go for it. And they fixed the offensive line, or at least the left side of the offensive line. You give Eli a running back, you're going to get your, your Eli Manning is basically an orange that has been squeezed. And there's still some of that, not just the rind, but there's also still some stuff left in there. You're like, look, we're going to scrape out that rind. We're going to throw it. The, we're going to get every possible ounce of juice out of this orange. That's Eli Manning. That's Eli Manning. 
But I, I think the better long-term play continues to look like Donald as everyone has said, like Tony Romo's like, look, I think he'll be one of the best quarterbacks in this league. People are raving about him for a reason because he was the best quarterback. People aren't saying that about other guys. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Joel Klatt joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Is it, it in, in SoCal, where you and I live, it doesn't yet feel as much like college football season, SC not having played, UCLA not having played. I know, I know the high school teams are all playing. Does it feel differently once you get into Oklahoma, once you get into the Midwest? Talking about it in particular, and, and maybe less so last night, because, listen, we all knew, regardless of if it did get interesting for a moment there at the, yeah, I think it was like 38-17 or something like that. Doug, you know, you knew that Oklahoma State was going to handle Missouri State. Now, tomorrow, yeah. even all the Oklahoma State people, they, they are keenly aware of exactly what Oklahoma lost, exactly what FAU brings back. So there is that sense of football season here. Um, and as you know, being a former Cowboy, all those Oklahoma State fans are like, I think, I think FAU can get them. I think they can get them. <laughs> it's going to be, going to be hot, man. It's going to be like 92. It's a, it's a, what, 11 o'clock start. Um, l- let's, let's start with, with Lane Kiffin. Um, this version of Lane Kiffin, like he's not calling, now he's not calling plays anymore, isn't he? Charlie Weiss's son is calling plays. Isn't that what Lane does best? Well, I mean, he's involved with the play calling. Let's just put it that way. And, and they can, they can semantics about who actually calls the plays, but Lane's heavily involved. And Charlie Weiss Jr. is such a young guy that I'm sure Lane's going to be even more involved than he was a year ago when Kendall Bryles was the offensive coordinator. So that'll be an interesting dynamic to play out. Lane's role now, Doug, I think he is perfectly situated. Like, I've been texting with him this week, and it's just like he's got freedom to be himself for maybe the first time in his coaching career. And it turns out that, like, he's actually really likable. He's not this guy that we painted him out to be throughout the years, whether it was at Tennessee or with the Raiders or or USC or even at Alabama. And his kind of shtick and his Twitter persona and and who he is fits FAU to a T. They need it. It's perfect for him. I think he's really happy there right now. So I think at this point he is is entering into the prime of his coaching career. He'll probably have opportunities to go somebody, somewhere else, but who knows if he takes those opportunities because he's got a pretty good gig going at FAU. Uh, okay, let's, let's get to the other side, Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley, obviously an elite play caller himself, and he talks uh, Kyler Murray into shunning baseball, at least for now. And Kyler Murray wins the starting job as a quarterback. Um, Kyler Murray was incredibly successful in high school. He did get a chance to start as a freshman at A&M. And there were some games in which he looked legit. He's, he's very athletic, although undersized, and has a strong arm. But, but decision-making and accuracy can be an issue. Give me your sense of what you think you're going to see from Oklahoma's offense this season. I think you're going to see them feature the athleticism because the, the, the one word that you constantly hear, whether it's from the FAU side or the Oklahoma side, regarding Kyler Murray, is he's got elite athleticism. He's a difference maker as an athlete. And, yes, he can throw, obviously, and he, he throws it pretty well, but he's not Baker Mayfield. And something tells me that Lincoln Riley has the ability to – evolve into the type of play caller that his players need him to be. You know, the evidence is what he's done in the past. Listen, this guy, you know, was at 
East Carolina where they needed to throw it for a million yards, and they did that. Then he comes to Oklahoma, and that first year he learned his lesson and knew that he needed to run the football a little bit better with guys like Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon. He was able to do that. Took him to a playoff. Um, then he had those two backs back with Baker Mayfield in the backfield, and, and they were very successful. Last year they could throw it a little bit more, and he had a great tight end and great fullback, so he was able to utilize a single personnel on the field and get, in, get into a, a, a multitude of different formations. So this guy... I think is one of the best because he does what his players are going to be successful at. So that being said, I really believe that we're going to see a heavy dose of run game with Trey Sermon, the running back with Rodney Anderson, the running back and Kyler Murray running the football, because that's what I think they're going to be best at. They've got a wait, pretty wait, good wait, offensive wait, line. Wait, 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 oh, wait, your big 12. I saw Oklahoma state. They got three running backs. Um, Oklahoma now talking about running the football. I've heard even Texas Tech's going to run the football a ton. Uh, Texas wants to, wants to run in a bunch. Like what what what's going on, dude? This is a, we're not supposed to. We don't run the ball in the Big Twelve. Throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it again. Nobody stops you know anybody. Two hand touch football. When you talk with the defensive coordinators, the the thing that they always bring up is the fact that the thing that hurts you the most in the Big Twelve is the run game because they just gash you with huge rushes. And, and that can hurt you the most because they're starting to play more umbrella coverage. You get less of those huge big plays, the explosion plays down the field, which is straight go routes. But now that, that run game is what really gives them fits. Listen, Baylor was a great running team under our Bryles, and I think right. this OU team has a chance to be as good as those teams on the ground. It would not shock me at all, Doug, if they averaged 280, 290 yards per game on the ground over the course of this season. Let's let's get to some of the big games this weekend. The biggest one is Michigan Notre Dame. Uh, Michigan loses probably their top uh, wide receiving wide receiving talent, uh, but they they have Shea Patterson who wins the job, comes over from Ole Miss. Uh, just just for this in this game, um, what's your thoughts on the breakdown of Michigan's ability to go in and beat Notre Dame on the road? I think Michigan is one of the underrated teams of the preseason. People love to hate on Michigan. They love to jump on Jim Harbaugh's back and tell him what he hasn't done at Michigan, and they forget about what he has done at Michigan, and that has returned them to a point in which they were essentially a, a spot of the football away from going to the playoff. And that's a really good program. Listen, they had the lead on Ohio State in third quarter last year. Uh, they were playing really well against Wisconsin. The fact remains is that they got terrible quarterback play. I mean, atrocious quarterback play. If it's just a little bit better, I think the last two seasons turned out much differently for Michigan. So for me, I think Michigan's better than Notre Dame, and I think they're better than Notre Dame maybe across the board. Notre Dame's got to replace some some dudes, man. I mean, those offensive linemen that they're replacing, Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey, it's hard to replace those guys. And they leaned heavily on their run game, and I don't think they're going to be able to do that this year without those guys up front. So... I'm going to take Michigan even on the road, and I think they might win by 10 or more. Texas is a team that uh, uh, your colleague Robert Smith said he's got them going to the college football playoff. Uh, Let's just see if they can get by Maryland. Now, Maryland's a bit of a mess, obviously, with D.J. Durkin uh, being on administrative leave. But, you know, Matt Canada, who's calling plays for him, uh, the LSU thing didn't work, but is is seen as uh, kind of a boy wonder play caller in, in college football. What's your level of confidence that Texas takes care of business against a team that thumped them last year in Austin? Yeah, so the Matt Canada thing, just to go back, you know, he, he really earned that reputation when he took Pitt 
and beat Clemson a couple of years ago, if you remember that game. Yep, I remember. Um, a game at Clemson. And he did an unbelievable job with his shifts, motions, and personnel groupings. And he found success for that offense, and they were able to go with, I believe it was Nathan Peterman as their quarterback, and beat Clemson. So that's where he earned his reputation. He goes down to LSU, does not work out. Now he's at Maryland. So that's that lineage. And then from from the Texas standpoint, Doug, here's what I land on. They retained Todd Orlando, their defensive coordinator, who I think, I think was a huge, a huge deal in the offseason. They had to pay him a lot of money, and rightly so. He's one of the best in America. So that suggests to me that that defense will retain that aggressiveness, that quality style of play that they were able to have last year because that defense was very good. Now, offensively, they should be better. They're better on the offensive line. They've established some tight ends and a, and a tight end group that will allow them to run the football a little bit more, and uh, certainly with better consistency. And their quarterbacks are, are more experienced. They were, I'll say, three or four snaps of the football away from being the 9 or 10 win team last year. Uh, you think about the overtime game against USC, any one of those snaps. Uh, the overtime game against Oklahoma State. They had a late mistake against Texas Tech. Uh, a late mistake um, in, in one other game. I mean, it's very easy to land on the conclusion that Texas is going to be very good this year, and I'm certainly one of those in that camp. Now, I don't know about playoffs, but uh, I certainly think that they're going to challenge for the Big 12 Conference. I wanted to ask you about TCU, and I, look, I, I know that we're yet to see them play a game, but like one of the kind of sneaky teams that could screw the whole thing up in the Big 12, heck, could screw it up in the Big 10 with Ohio State, especially before Urban Meyer returns, is TCU. They made a decision to get Sean Robinson back as their quarterback. A lot of people thought that there's a transfer from Penn, Michael Collins would get the job, but uh, TCU is a team that with, with one or two exceptions in terms of seasons, the last 10, 12 years has been among college football's elite should we still consider them such? Are they still in that conversation, especially with OU and OSU replacing their quarterbacks? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that they need to be in that conversation because they've earned the right to be in that conversation, as you put it, with their record over the last, let's, let's say, you know, decade plus with what Gary Patterson has done. He's, he, he's one of those guys that does not get enough credit and certainly an underrated coach around the country. And this team is very talented. They get Ben Banigou back, uh, who's – the preseason conference defensive player of the year. I think Sean Robinson is a really good player. They've got talented skill position players. They're going to have to develop on the offensive line. Uh, and one of the things that is not widely you know, known or reported on, but they did lose one of their defensive linemen, Ross Blacklock, uh, to an injury. And I think that's a, that's a big loss for them. But remains to be seen. I, I don't think that they're going to beat Ohio State, but I certainly think that they're going to be a thorn in the side of all the favorites in the Big 12. Might not be their year to win the conference, but you can never count them out. I've been told that this is Chris Peterson's most talented team, plus he has a four-year starter at quarterback. Do you believe they beat Auburn this weekend? I do. I do. I Listen, Auburn, you know, the SEC, the SEC machine works for Auburn, on Auburn's behalf, because if you actually evaluate what Auburn has been in the last decade, they are the tent revival program of college football. They just pop up every now and again. They have not been consistent. Um, and, and quite frankly, you know, they've had these either a transcendent quarterback in Cam Newton or some incredible breaks in that year. They go to the national championship when they've got the miracle in the plains against Georgia. They had the kick six against Alabama, both right. home games. Right. Last year, they were able to get those teams in, in, quite frankly, good spots because of the injuries that those other teams were dealing with and the spot on the schedule. Now, this year, 
They've got to go to Mississippi State. They've got to go to Alabama. They've got to go to Georgia. They've got to face uh, Washington in a neutral site, although you could call that a home game. It's a very difficult schedule. I don't buy Auburn. I just don't. They're replacing four offensive linemen. All this to say, I think Washington beats them. I really do. This is Chris's best team that he's had in Seattle. Um, they are phenomenal on the defensive side of the football. They're going to be in the top five in the country on the defensive side. And Miles Gaskin might be one of the most underrated skill position players in America. He's going to pass Napoleon Kaufman this year for the all-time leading rusher in Washington history. That's nothing to scoff at. So uh, I think they're going to be very good. Would you be more surprised if Alabama or Clemson didn't play, didn't play in the college football playoff? I would be more surprised if Alabama didn't play simply because I, I think that their schedule this year, and this is not an indictment on Alabama, it's just the way that the, the, you know, the die rolls. Their schedule is really easy. So I would be shocked if they're not in the playoff because the committee has already shown the propensity to give them a pass regardless of if they win their division or not, which basically means that they get one, one mulligan and I don't find a game on their schedule that they're even going to need a mulligan, maybe save for the SEC championship game. I think we're staring at a year in which we've got Alabama and Georgia again in the playoff after meeting in the SEC championship game. Well, you you don't you think Clemson schedule is that that difficult? I mean, I, they go to I know they go to A and M out of conference, and they have they have uh, uh, who else? They have A and M in South Carolina. So they do add two SEC schools out of conference, but again, well, on that's paper, the, just, that's the biggest difference. Yeah. You know, that's the the biggest difference. That's ten Power Five games versus Alabama's nine nine Power Five games. You know, plus when you look at schedule makeup, Doug. You know, Alabama, the most Power 5 opponents that they're going to play on consecutive weeks is three. Either they have a bye or a FCS or a group of five. I mean, that's a joke, right? Yeah. I mean, the schedule makeup, it is tailor-made for them to go to the playoffs, so I'll be shocked if they don't. Great stuff. Listen, enjoy Norman. Get yourself a Sooner Swirl. If you don't know what that is, I'll text you what it is. It's actually it's a drink. Actually, it's not. It's not. There's not, there's no there's no innuendo to you. Like wait wait, Godly was talking about it's a it's a place where you can go get a drink and actually some really good food. In the meantime, let's get together when you be, get back home. If 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 not, just set up residency in Oklahoma. There's actually car tags are actually a lot less expensive than they are here. I'll, I'll, I'll warn you. Well, you know, I'm I'm here for these two games, and we're going to be right back here next week for UCLA. So maybe I, I just get a place. Yeah, just get up. You get a place. You can. Uh, Durant had a three million dollar place he sold for a million. So I don't know. I mean, he might just want to. There, might just want to there we go. Deals out here. Yeah, let's talk soon. Thanks so much, Joel. You got about Joel Klatt joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. He has worked with and for the absolute best in the business. Michael Lombardi, kind enough to spend some time with us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on a day to which, uh, one, Aaron Donald signs a new contract, and two, it's it's cut-down day. A lot of moves being made in the National Football League. Michael, let's start with the Aaron Donald contract. We'll work our way through Aaron Rodgers and uh, and also through Odell Beckham Jr., um, what do you think of what the Rams decided to do in relent and giving him the biggest deal in the history of the sport for his position? I mean, look, the Rams have moved all their chips to the middle of the table. You know, next year, 2019, Jared Goff will be entering his last year of his contract, and the Rams are going to have to make some hard decisions. They're going to have three players, essentially, with between Gurley, Goff, and Donald that are going to eat up $100 million worth of their cap. 
And, you know, that's going to be hard to have depth and talent around them. So I think the Rams are all in for this season. I think they've got everything going for it. They, they've got very little cap room as they move forward. They're going to have to make some tough decisions. But this is what you want to do when you want to build it, when you're building a new stadium and you want to sell seats. You want to get people interested in your team, and they're spending the money. Give them credit. They're spending the money to put people in the seats. Okay, so next year is when the Pied Piper uh, gets called, right? It's, it's next year. that Because, you know, you, you move all this money around. It's like the, the Giants actually freed up cap space with the Odell Beckham Jr. deal to where they went from less than a million in cap space to almost $10 million in cap space. But at, at some point, there's a bill. Is it next year they, they become limited in what they can do? Yeah, look, you can't, you can't sign everybody, right? You can't have it. I mean, that's the Raiders. People say, well, the Raiders can't sign Mac because they don't have any cash. That's not true. The Raiders have plenty of cash. It's a question of how much do you want to commit after you've signed a quarterback in the 20 millions. I mean, the Patriots don't have, other than Tom Brady, who's made the most money, they, they rarely get guys over 15 million a year. You know, and so they've always taken the attitude we'd rather have four, five, six, seven guys making three to five million a year than having one guy making 25. And I think it's a challenge and it's going to come. Look, it's coming due for the Rams. I don't know how they're doing it. Their cash flow is going to be a stress. Their owners made a commitment to win. And he's got a team now. They've got to stay healthy. Look, I think the Rams are a good football team. But if Andrew Zimmerman doesn't, if he if he gets hurt or Gurley gets hurt, that's going to be really hard for them to overcome. Yeah, I, I this is exactly what I said. I, I these are the same analogies I used in terms of going all in, and they have they have a good hand, but they don't have an absolute slam dunk hand, right? I mean, that's the that's the thing now. Um, we don't know. I mean, look, their defense, there's a lot of moving parts over there on defense. Wade's a great coordinator, but they get Marcus Peters. You know, he's going to have to prove he won't take chances. And can they play from in front? I mean, Goff was the worst quarterback in the playoffs last year. Nobody talks about it. Yep. right? He had a chance to beat Atlanta at home and couldn't do it. The good coordinators forced the Rams to do something other than give the ball to Gurley on screens and stop Gurley in the running game. He's going to have to do other things. I mean, Brandon Cooks is one of the highest-paid players on the team. He's been cut. He's been traded. Excuse me, Twice. from two teams that have really good head coaches in Sean yeah. Payton and Bill Belichick, and they chose to sign him. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying they're putting their cap dollars in some unique places. I think Aaron Donald's great. I think oh. Aaron Donald deserved to get paid, no doubt. But you can't have everybody. How's it work with Green Bay? I mean, it's like eighty million dollars. Um in like the next year they give him. And again, I, you almost give Aaron Rodgers a blank check, but you can't, you know, you, you can't give him a blank check. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the, the, the way we don't know the exact structure of it. You'd know more of it than I do. What are your thoughts on what the Packers chose to do with, with Aaron Rodgers? Look, I think they had to pay the guy and, and, and Aaron Rodgers, you've got to start with him. The Packers have always taken the, the methodology of, of procurement of talent by just utilizing college free agents and the college draft. So they've really never entered into this free agent market. They've always had a ton of cap room. And now that they've changed a little bit of the model, because Brian Gutekist is now the, 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 the general manager and Ted Thompson's no longer there, they've shifted who they are as a football team and they'll re-sign guys. But look, it starts and ends with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this is a guy that's been remarkable in his career. He hasn't thrown double-digit interceptions since, I think, 2010. He protects the football. He makes everybody else around him. And frankly, they haven't done a good enough job of giving him a supporting cast to allow his talents to really shine because they've been so narrow-minded in how they pick players. They had to sign Rodgers. Whatever his cap number is, you choose to move forward. With it. Because the one thing I've learned in the NFL is you can't overpay great players. You can only overpay mediocre players, and that's what you can't do, and that's what happens when you lose. Uh, 
Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., great player. Did they overpay him? Look, I thought Odell was going to get closer to $20 million. I think the Giants did a great job. Take your hat off to them about the Giants because they, they towed the line. He got a deal in line with Antonio Brown, in line with all the other receivers. He took a receiver-type deal. People were talking about giving him a quarterback-type deal. That never was going to happen, although the 38 touchdowns is impressive. Sammy Watkins has got 25 touchdowns. He got $16 million. I thought they overpaid Sammy Watkins. I didn't think that Odell got overpaid. I think the question for Giant fans, is, it starts and ends with this. Oh, is, is, pay, is Eli Manning still a good quarterback? The last five years, the Giants are 33 and 46. Every statistical category that Eli has performed in has gone down. Since 2015, when he averaged 8.5 per yards attempt, he hasn't been the same player. He's significantly dropped. He's only thrown the ball 7.5 yards per attempt twice in his career. Phillip Rivers has done it eight times. So the, really the onus on the Giants with this Beckham deal lies with Manning. If they would have traded for Teddy Bridgewater or drafted Sam Darnold and they gave Beckham the steal, I'm saying no problem. They've got a young quarterback they can grow with. Now it's all in with, with Manning as well. Um, based upon the preseason, based upon your eyes, your ability to evaluate, Michael Lombardi, former general manager in the National Football League, make sure you either pre-order his book or just wait till it comes in September 11th. It's Gridiron Genius, a master class in winning championships and building dynasties in the NFL. He joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Is Donald is Donald what many thought he would be in the best prospect of the quarterback class? I think so because what Don, what Donald can do is the way you judge quarterbacks. For me, it isn't did he complete the pass? Is he did he do this? It's what he does at the line of scrimmage. How many negative plays happens when the quarterback's in the game? If you watch the Baker Mayfield game against the Philadelphia Eagles, a lot of negative plays. Baker couldn't get him out of a bad run. He couldn't get him out of a bad protection, not because he's not talented enough, just because he's not ready for that role. And so there was too many negative plays for the Browns' offense. When you watch Darnold play for the Jets, there's no negative plays. There was a play two weeks ago when he changed a lot, play at the line of scrimmage. He shifted the protection. He threw it hot to the receiver. They've got the first down. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for who can control the game at the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, who's mature enough to handle the mental aspects of the game, and I think Sam has proven that beyond a shadow of a doubt this preseason. Who's the team that we're not talking enough about, but that you uh, you watch and you're like, look, this is a really good football team. You're just focused on so much of the nonsense and the narratives and the, the sound bites. This is a football team you should pay attention to. I think Houston's one of those teams. I think Deshaun Watson's great. I think Deshaun Watson can, can makes the team better. They get so many players back on defense. You know, they, they were a team that was a shadow of themselves last year. I, I also think the Baltimore Ravens have a chance to be really good this year. Their defense is good. If they can control the line of scrimmage, if they don't turn this ball over, and those are big ifs with Joe Flacco playing quarterback. I'm not even talking about getting Lamar in the game. But I think the Ravens are much improved. And when you have a field goal kicker like the Ravens have, these games are so close it comes down to one or two plays here or there. They're 9-7 and seven last year, and really they had a chance to win 10-11 games if they would have managed games a little better at the end. I like the Ravens because the owners put the onus on them. Steve Versace said, hey, look, we've got to win games. This is a playoff or nothing for everybody in the building, and that's great because everybody knows we have one job to do and one job only and focus on it. I, I like the Ravens team. I think they've got a chance to be really good. I think the 49ers have a good team as well. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is excellent, and I think Kyle Shanahan's a great coach. I, I really think, Doug, and this is not getting talked enough about, I think we're entering a period in the NFL 
that's got a lot of great young quarterbacks. You know, you still have Russell Wilson. You still have Cam Newton. You've got Deshaun. You've got Jimmy Garoppolo. You've got some real Matthew Stafford. Just the North alone has talented quarterbacks who are very wealthy. I think this is a period in the NFL that is not getting talked enough about how many great quarterbacks we have and how many guys can really lead their team. You know, you know, I, I think it is. I, I do think that guys being able to throw and the seven-on-seven leagues, the everybody playing flag football at a young age, in the flag football in the seven-on-seven into high school teams that throw now instead of running the football. And, of course, they're throwing and leading in. in and, and we have all these quarterback camps. It's a lot like kind of the, not necessarily true point guard, but the lead guard position in, in the NBA. I mean, how many great scoring lead guards do we have? And it's because the rules and the way in which players are developed at a young age, into high school and into college. Is that a fair uh, correlation? Absolutely. And I, and I, and I think what, what, what we're missing the point here is that these kids are ready to play much sooner than we think. And they get in there and they develop and grow. Look, Patrick Mahomes may not be completely ready to be like Alex Smith, but I think Andy Reid will do a good enough job with his team to build an offense around what Patrick Mahomes can do. And I do see it that way. I, I think these quarterbacks are like point guards. They drive the engine. They make things better for everybody else around them. You know, people talked about Tom Savage when he first started playing with Houston, how bad you know the skill was around him. And then when Deshaun came in the game, all of a sudden nobody was talking about how bad the skill was around him. Great quarterbacks make other other players better. And I think... For me, that goes back to Eli Manning again, because for me, if you're not in this arms race in the NFL, and this includes the Patriots as well, when they traded Jimmy Garoppolo, if you're not in this arms race, if you don't have a bright, young, talented quarterback, the Chargers, if they lose Rivers, if you don't have one of these guys, you're going to get caught from behind, and it's going to be hard to find the next Dak Prescott in the fourth round. Um, your son's quarterback coach with the Jets. I want, my, my fear with the Jets was, was this with Darnold. I love Darnold. And every GM I've talked to is like, they had him number one on the board, and everybody likes him. My fear, though, is that that offensive line is just not up to par. The running game, the tight end group, like they're they're so playing for next year, talent-wise around him. Should there be any concern that, you know, I want to say David Carr, but it is that type of developing of bad habits because you're constantly under duress. Well, I, I think that's the coach's job. I mean, you've got to get rid of the football. I mean, there's enough three-step and five-step. The ball's got to come out of your hand. And they can do that in New York. I mean, I think that's what they have to build. I think the concern for me watching the Jets team play this summer is where they're going to get a pass rush from. Where are they going to be able to put pressure on the quarterback? And how are they going to always, you know, handle that without having to always blitz? You know, the one thing for young quarterbacks, people say a running game's the best friend of a young quarterback. That's complete nonsense. And if you read my book, I devote a whole a section about why the running game is really the least relevant thing in football. It's really about the running game only gets you field goals. You've got to throw and make explosive plays in the passing game. But that being said, the most important stat in football is getting the lead, playing from in front. The right. Eagles are the perfect example of that. They played from in front the entire season. Just take the Super Bowl, Doug. I mean, the Eagles, it's just remarkable. The Eagles' defense played Really, they played 26, 27 minutes and gave up 613 yards. It's remarkable. How do you do that? But yet they were able to they only play 26 minutes. They gave up 70 yards because the, the Patriots were always playing from behind in that game until the fourth quarter. It's hard to do. Man, it, it is hard to do. Last thing, uh, Khalil Mack still unsigned, still not in camp. Uh, the rumors are the Raiders are asking for two first-round picks. Best guess, 
what happens with Khalil Mack this season? You know, it's funny. I was in a coffee shop, and I was sitting there with my wife, and, and, I, and they had these big coffee mugs, and I said to the lady, I said, how much are these coffee mugs? And she said, oh, they're $17. And I said, well, you clearly don't want to sell them because, you know, if you're asking for $17 for a little coffee mug, you don't want to sell any of them. And that's the same thing. When you're asking for two number ones, which I'm not sure the Raiders are, you really don't want to, you don't want to trade them. And I think, you know, that they have to get more realistic. The Raiders have to make a, a unilateral decision, an organizational decision. Do they want to pay another guy in the $20 million range? Do they want their Von Miller? Do they want to have less depth on their team? Are they willing to take less talented receiver, less talented tight end, play younger guys because they're going to give the bulk of the money to two or three players? That's an organizational decision. That has nothing to do with cash flow, and I think that's where the Raiders are. And if they make the decision they can't, then they need to go out and make the best deal. One of the three seems to be the most appropriate deal for a guy like Mac. And then that team that takes him has to pay him the huge freight. That's going to be expensive. Yes, it will. Gridiron Genius, a master class in winning championships and building dynasties in the NFL. The author is our guest, Michael Lombardi, former general manager in the National Football League himself. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Doug. Bye-bye. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 